Hey, what's going on? Dino and Dylan from ARC here, and what a year we have had. You know, we're so grateful to have you and your church and your pastors as a part of the ARC family. Your church is so generous, it's been resilient and strong, and all of us at ARC are honored to partner with you in ministry to assure that we see a thriving church in every community, reaching people with the message of Jesus Christ. You know, we could have never imagined the challenges that our world would face this year, but mm -hmm. that did not stop couples from following the call of God on their lives and continuing to plant life-giving churches and communities across the nation. Yep. 35 wow. new churches opened this year That's in amazing. person and another 22 churches opened online, bringing that total number of churches planted through ARC to 911 churches over the past 20 years. Wow. God is so good, He is so faithful to complete what He started. You know, planning or growing a church during a pandemic is no small task. All these churches adapted so quickly. Uh, they were innovative, they were creative, they were determined to reach their cities with the message of Jesus Christ, just like you are. So again, let me say thank you for continuing to support your church, to be faithful in your tithe and offering, keep praying for what God is doing. We at ARC are committed to seeing the local church thrive for many years to come, and we love partnering with you and your church. Let's keep being generous and let's keep making a difference. Thanks a lot. Hey, we are at the Faith Refuge and we are about to surprise them with a legacy gift on your behalf. Oh, I want the gift from the people of City Hopes. Hey, what's up? We are at 8th Street Coffee House and we're about to meet with uh, the people from Church Without Walls, and we are going to surprise them with a gift on your behalf. Thank you, City Hope Church, for the uh, check that you gave to Church Without Walls. This is a ministry that um, has been going strong for a little over eight years for the underserved and overlooked segment of population here in Wichita Falls. We are we help with hygiene bags. We help with housing, we help with hot water heaters, we uh, help the people that so desperately need it and sometimes they fall through the cracks and um, we just want to thank you so much for your, for your generosity. Thank you. Hey City Hope, we're about to head over to the Hope Center to drop off a legacy Christmas gift on your behalf, so check out what your generosity is going to do. Uh, yes, to uh, help more women get into the program. So, thank you so much. Hey everybody, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your generosity during the Christmas holidays and um, your gift is going to help um, at least 10 other people get into this program and uh, their lives will forever be changed and um, we can't say thank you enough times um, so thank you a million times thank for you so your much. generosity thank and you. Uh, thank, thank you, you for <laughs> yes thank you so much yes. thank you sitting up Hey, good morning. Who's glad to be at church? Are y'all glad to be at church in the house of God today? I'm, I'm so glad you're here and especially want to welcome everybody who's online with us today. We know 
You may be watching live right now. You may be watching sometime in the future this week. We want to say you're part of the family. We thank God for you. And come on, church, can we just say hello to everybody watching online with us right now? We love you guys. We love you. So you saw a little bit about what the legacy offering is already beginning to do in our own community, but I want to take a few minutes and, and want to just kind of share what the legacy offering is doing beyond, beyond Wichita Falls, all right? What is it doing in the nation and around the world? And so I want to kick off just telling you a little bit, sharing with you what's been going on. And the first thing I want to let you know is that because of your giving, we're able to provide a meal for 192 people on the island of Cuba. The nation of Cuba is going to receive something, a, a meal. Now, I, I, I know when I say 192 people, you might think, was well, that all we could do? Why is it so low? But here's the thing. In Cuba right now, there is a severe, I, I should say an extreme food crisis on the island. It's a, uh, it's a communist nation, communist country, and the government controls most of everything, including the food. And, and so food as it is at an all-time high right now. It's, it's inflated big time and so back in 1996 Fidel Castro hear me when I say allowed the people of Cuba to celebrate Christmas again he allowed them to celebrate Christmas and so since then they've done what they call uh, a noche buena Christmas it's a it's a good night Christmas and, and it happens right around the Christmas holiday and typically they would save up for weeks and weeks to be able to provide this meal for their family they don't do the, the glamour and the gifts like we do. Come on, somebody. Uh, our American culture is a little bit different than most other countries. And so they don't do all the, all the gifts and all the stuff like we do. And so this meal is their big Christmas thing for each other every year. And this year is a year where many people aren't sure whether they can do it because the inflation is so high in Cuba right now. And so when I say we're able to step in and provide a meal, a, buen, a, a Noche Buena Christmas meal for 192 people, come on, let's give God thanks for that, that we're able to do, to do that this year, provide for people on the island of Cuba, and they are going to receive the gospel along with that as well. And then uh, something that, that uh, we're doing in Pakistan that, that I hadn't told you about, in fact, we just found out about it this week, and it's something that we're really excited about and passionate about. But uh, Pastor Caleb spoke with Pastor John, who is our contact in Pakistan. And uh, we, we've been doing some ministry there. We've provided Bibles for new converts. Um, we, we have begun translating our, our weekend messages into the, the language of Urdu for Pakistanis. And, and it airs all around the world. And Pastor John told Pastor Caleb over a, a little uh, messenger uh, a phone call, I guess, video chat. It was like 2 a.m. Pakistan time. I'm like, John, why are you awake right now, bro? But he was awake. He told us that the last message video of City Hope on King Television had over 400,000 views, y'all. And they just recently started King Television. And since they started King Television, 131,000 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ. And we're getting to be a part of that. We're getting to, to be a part of that for sure. But what your legacy offering is doing is rescuing a family from modern day slavery in Pakistan. And so what that looks like is, is uh, Pastor John tells us there's 78 families who are in slavery at what we would call a brick kiln. 
and this, this is where they make bricks. But this family we're rescuing, their story is that the, the dad was in an automobile accident. He had to have some medical treatment, and he couldn't afford it. And so he took out a loan to be able to pay the medical bills. Well, he couldn't pay the, the loan back, so he's at this brick kiln where he makes 1,000 bricks a day. Their family makes 1,000 bricks a day for $5. And, and they will never be able to break the cycle of this, of this poverty that they're in because they don't get paid enough to pay the loan off. So what do they have to do? They have to go borrow more money to be able to pay the different debtors. And families will end up staying there making bricks for decades. Uh, they're mistreated. They're persecuted. They are beaten. They are abused. A family was recently burned alive because they didn't do well, what they were told to do. And so because of your legacy offering, we're able to rescue a family of five from, from, this, from this place. And what they're going to do is they move them to a different city, a different location. They get them a job. They get them a place to live. They get them... Uh, they get them, uh, 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 they connect them with a local pastor and a local church, and they, they provide a legal document that says, These people will never be indebted to you again, ever. They are freed from slavery, all in the name of Jesus. All in the name of Jesus. So that's happening in Pakistan. That's part of what your legacy offering is doing. In, in um, South Asia, we're be- we have uh, begun giving some of the legacy resources to Bible translation in South Asia. We don't know exactly where, but we know that it's um, the Talapatra. Uh, Talapatra Group 2 is what, is, is, is what we're allowed to know. And there's five languages, five people groups that this translation is going to help. That represents 4.2 million people who will eventually have the Bible in their language and you are a part of that, right? So, that, so it's very expensive to, to translate the Bible and we're at 79%. We're partnering with many other churches to help make this happen, but 79% complete on this project and before long, 4.2 million people will have the Bible in their language and they'll know about Jesus Christ and you were part of that. And check this out, your gift, what we gave on your behalf was matched dollar for dollar and so it doubled. Our investment to that, to that translation doubled in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's thank God for that. Let's thank God for that. That's awesome. That is awesome. And then nationally, you heard Pastor Dino talking a minute ago about the churches we've been able to plant this year, help plant churches and and. Because of your generosity, we've been able to provide a Christmas blessing for 15 pastors throughout America. 15 pastors are getting a Christmas blessing, and you're a big part of that. You're a big part of that. And then you, you saw a little bit about Hope Center and, and how we're providing. We're stepping in, and your gift is providing the ability for at least 10 men or women to be able to find freedom and deliverance and 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 um, recovery from drug and alcohol addiction right here in Wichita Falls. And, and that's incredible. That's their number one need is we just don't have enough resources to help people get into the program. And your giving is helping people get free from that. Um, it, it's making a difference at the Faith Refuge. It's making a difference at Church Without Walls. And one thing, about six weeks ago, I told you that there's something big I was going to be able to share with you, but I couldn't share it yet. So today, I'm going to get to share with you that because of your legacy giving, City Hope Church, through legacy, has abolished 
$975,461.26 in medical debt for people who live two times below the poverty level in Wichita County. 412 people now don't have to pay their medical bills because you stepped in and as a church we made a difference in Jesus' name. Now I know some of you are thinking, that's almost a million dollars. We didn't pay a million dollars for it. I wanted to let you know, we didn't, we didn't pay that. We, we partnered with an organization called RIP Medical and we bought their debt for pennies on a dollar, pennies on a dollar and we're able to step in purchase their medical debt, abolish it, and they're getting a letter this week that says, hey, the fine people at City Hope Church believe in you. They care about you, and they wiped your debt clean just in time for Christmas, everybody. Come on, one more time. Let's give that thanks to God. Thanks to God. So because of your generosity, just this week, from last week to today, seven days, We've designated over $37,000 to be given outside of the walls of this church through national, international, and local missions. $37,000 making a difference, and you gave that. You gave that, and it shows us that when we all do a little, together we can do a lot. Because I didn't have $37,000 to give. Come on, somebody. Somebody, maybe you, maybe you could have done that. I didn't have to do it. But when we gave together, we were able to do something that we couldn't do on our own. And I think that is incredible. One more time, can we just give God thanks for that? Thank you, God. That's awesome. So just to let you know, we're not, the legacy offering was a one-time thing. And that happened last Sunday. But you're still able to give to that if you'd like. You can designate funds to that throughout the rest of the year, and we'll use that to make a difference. We'll use it to, to be a blessing. And, and so uh, today I want to share a message with you. I'm, I don't know if it's a Christmas message or not. I, I kind of think it is, but I, I get to call it whatever I want to call it because I'm up here talking, right? So I'm going to say it's a Christmas message, but it's really about hope is what we're going to talk about. Before I, I give you that message, I want to kind of show you where we're headed over the next few weeks. Just make sure you're caught up on everything church life, everything that we're doing uh, over the next few weeks. And the first thing is this, Christmas is just four days away and Christmas Eve is on the 24th. It's like just right around the corner and we're doing Christmas Eve services, everybody. Christmas Eve services are so much fun and it's gonna be a lot of fun this year. And, and so I'm asking you to invite, 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 get your friends here. I think there's something special about the Christmas season and we're doing three services for a reason because uh, we, we want to, we have room in here. We've got the balcony. There's room available up there. But we want to be able to spread people out and we want to be able to accommodate as many people as possible. And so 2 o'clock, 3.30, and 5 p.m. on Thursday, we'll be doing Christmas Eve services. You can register. You can do priority seating. You don't have to, but what that does is when you get here early, you'll, you'll be able to come to the sanctuary first, grab your seat. It doesn't reserve anything in here for you, but it, you'll be able to enter first. And at 10 minutes till, we'll open the doors for everybody else. And so if, if, for those of you who didn't do priority seating, there'll still be seats available for you. It might be upstairs or in the back, but I'll tell you this, we never turn anybody away. We've got plenty of extra chairs that we can put out and we can make happen, all right? So you can, you can register for that. And then next Sunday, a week from today, is Sabbath Sunday, all right? What that means is we ain't gonna be here, all right? So if you show up for church, we ain't gonna be here. We won't, we, we'll be 
We'll be on our way to our Christmas trip that I'll tell you about in a second. We're, we, we've started taking Christmas trips lately. So we'll be on our way there, but we take the weekend off to rest. It's a biblical principle of, of rest, and, and we ought to be doing it every week, right? One day out of seven ought to be a rest day every week. And so at the end of the year, we're just going to take the weekend off. We're going to rest. We're going to get ready for a new year because we're kicking it off strong. January 3rd starts 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'm telling you what, it's going to change your life. The people who are clapping are like the people who've been there before. They're like, yeah, yeah, we, we know. So when we started the church, we, we had 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we were meeting over at Encounter Church off of Kent, they, they so graciously let us meet there, and we were meeting there, 21 days of prayer and fasting, there were about seven people that would show up, before we had our first service, seven people to ten people would show up every weekday morning, and then by the next year, we were having nearly a hundred people showing up for prayer at six o'clock in the morning, you can't tell me that's not a miracle, that's a God thing, y'all, and if you're wondering, I know some of you, maybe you, you don't come because You've been to some prayer meetings before, and they lasted a long time, and, and they, they didn't have purpose, and they didn't really have intention. I want to tell you that from 6 to 7 a.m., it's one hour long, maybe even a little bit shorter. We're very intentional. We have purpose, and at the end of it, you're going to go, dude, it's over? It, we're, we're already done? Are you serious? It will change your life. So if you have never done it before, never participated in prayer and fasting, you can go to our website, cityhopefamily.com slash pray. There's some resources there. Uh, there's some teachings. There's some, some stuff that you can read up on about prayer and fasting. We want to help you um, enter the new year strong, all right? All right. Well, man, I'm telling you, um, prayer changes things. It's not, the, it's not the only thing we can do, but it is the most important thing we can do. Can I get an amen on that? Prayer changes Things. So we're, we're kicking off the new year with that. Well, today I want to share a message with you. And um, I was thinking earlier this week about what's the one thing that everybody on planet Earth has. Everybody on the planet has this one thing. Um, and and, and, and it's, not that they ho- it's not that they want it. It's not that they think they might get it, but they have it. I think everybody on the Earth has this one thing. Some people would say, oh, it's happiness. Everybody. Everybody has spurts of happiness, but have you met everybody? Because there's some pretty unhappy people out there, right? I mean, there's some miserable folks out there that just aren't happy. Some folks might say, well, it, it's, um, maybe it's, it's money. Everybody has money, whether they're rich or poor. Everybody across the earth has money, but I mean, money's not everything, and some people don't have any, so I don't think that's it. Some people would say it's love. Everybody has love. They are loved. They've they can love. Everybody has that. But I know some people who are looking for love in all the wrong places, right? They, they searching the world over, thought I found true love. You met another and you were gone. <laughs> right? There's some lonely people in the world today. So I don't think it's love. Some would say maybe it's, maybe it's friends. Everybody has a, at least one friend. They have friends, but I don't think that's it either. I don't, I don't think everybody is there. Some people would say it's purpose. Everybody on the planet has purpose, and I would agree with you. I would say you're absolutely right. Everybody on planet Earth has purpose, but the problem is not everybody 
is living that purpose. We have a purpose, but not everybody's living it out. And, and can I just remind you that that's why we do what we call the growth track. It's, it's our way to help you discover your purpose, to help you know what God has for you on this earth. And so we do gifts assessment, and we help you know your personality type, in case you didn't know that. We help you discover that. We help you know what God puts you on this earth to do. And today we talk about leadership in step three. It's actually step three and four today. So we'll, we'll walk you through those, the, the leadership part of, of what God has for you. And every one of you is a leader. Why? Because you have influence. You, everybody on the earth has influence, but I'm not even talking about influence today. The one thing I think everybody has on the earth is hope. I think we all have hope. And, and I'll try to explain it to you, what, what I mean by that, because this is the season... Christmas season, whether you celebrate Hanukkah or Christmas or maybe you don't celebrate anything, this is a season of gift giving. A lot of people are buying gifts. They're giving gifts. Can I get a witness, right? And I know in our family, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Uh, we also put up a Christmas tree and we have some presents around. And, but we decided last year we weren't going to do as many gifts as we had been doing in the past. We decided it, it took us 13 years to realize that what we got our kids and what showed up under the tree was either lost, broken, stolen, or unused within just a couple of months. And all the parents said, oh, yeah. And then what do you do? You put it on Facebook, Craigslist, to sell it in time for the next holiday season, right? Because somebody's looking to get a deal. I'm doing that right now, y'all. I'm telling you. I'm doing it. If you see it on Facebook, I, I'm doing it. I'm trying to get rid of some stuff that... Play kitchen that we thought was a good deal. It, it was, he didn't play with it anymore, right? So we, we're, we do that kind of thing. So last year, we decided we're going to start doing a trip every year. We're, gonna, we're still going to do a few gifts, but we're going to take a trip together. Man, this, this world and this nation, America, is pretty big, and there's some sights to see. And I want to see some of those things. And I figured we could spend about as much on gifts as it would be to go on a, on a little vacation, go on a trip somewhere. So last year, I said, hey, we're, we're going on a trip for Christmas. Get, get a few gifts, but we're going to go on a trip. And we went to Branson, Missouri. First time that I had been there. And we did some things. We saw some things that we had never seen before. And our boys did not want to go. They wanted those gifts. You know what I'm talking about? But two days into it, they're going, Dad, this is the best Christmas ever. Can we do this every year? And I'm like, Yes. This is what I want. I want us to go on a trip every year. No, we want to come here every year. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not going to come to the same place every year. I want to see more than just, you know, Table Rock Lake, which is beautiful. I want to see more than that. I, I, want, to, I want to see America. I want to see some things, right? So this year, we're doing the same thing, a little bit less. But we're going on a, going on a trip, and they're back at it again. We don't want to go on a trip. We don't want to go on a trip. We, we want to stay we want to stay back home, right? Why? Because when that Amazon box shows up, what do they do? They're hoping. They hope for what's in that box. Are the presents under the tree, what do they do? What do you do as a parent? You pick it up, you rattle it, you shake it. You're trying to figure out what's in there, and some of you dads are as surprised as the kids are on Christmas morning. What came? <laughs> we got that for them? Right? We, we, we have... Like, it's, it's an element of hope. It's, a, it's, it's hope. I'm hoping for something under the tree. The boys are hoping for a jersey. They're hoping for a game. They're hoping for 
cash or toys or the, they're hoping for something to show up under the tree because they, they gave that wish list. And I think in the same way that our kids hope for things, come on adults, we hope for some things, don't we? We hope for some things. I hope somebody notices my new haircut. Mikey, look at your hair. That's nice, man. I've been getting it a lot lately. Right? Some, we hope that somebody notices us. They pay attention to us today. We hope the boss sees what good job we're doing. We, we, we hope he notices our hard work. We hope we get the promotion. We hope for the financial increase. We hope for the PS5. Come on, somebody. We're hoping for that. This week, I saw a guy walking into the post office, PS5 in tow. In plain sight, I thought to myself, he's not going to come out alive. <laughs> Somebody is going to, they're going to hijack that PS5. It's not going to make it to its destination. Somebody in the back is watching, and they're going to be playing that console. And where it's supposed to go, they're going to get a box of rocks, right? We hope for the PS5. We, we hope for so many different things. We're, we're hoping for, some of you this morning, you were hoping you could get to church on time. Come on, somebody. You're, you're hoping, you were hoping you didn't run out of gas. We, we hope for things. We, we all hope for things. And some people, even in this room, hope for really um, just some simple necessities of life. Some people are hoping for a hot meal today. Some people are hoping that their utilities don't get cut off in the holiday season. Some people are hoping that they're they're able to find a job and provide for their family. Some people are hoping that their, their husband, their spouse will quit abusing them. Some people are hoping their kids will come back home. They'll, they'll get off drugs. They'll recover from addiction. I think all of us are hoping that COVID will come to an end soon. Can I get a witness there? Yeah. I'm, I'm secretly hoping that when we wake up on January 1st, it's gone. It's like, oh, yep, here we are. New year, new day. We're good, Right? And I, I think I'm kind of telling myself that, and I'm, I'm, I might be disappointed when we wake up and it's, it's still here, right? But we're all hoping that this will come to an end soon, that, that all the stuff that we're dealing with, it, it would be resolved. We're hoping, we're hoping, and we're hoping. And so I'm, really, I'm just trying to show you that we hope for things on different levels, different scales. We all hope for something. And, and hope isn't a new thing. Hope has been going on since the beginning of time. From the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve hoped that they could be like God when they ate the forbidden fruit. Noah hoped that he would be rescued on the ark from the flood. Abraham hoped that he would have a son. Jacob hoped that he could have his brother Esau's birthright, and then he hoped that his brother Esau wouldn't kill him, right? And, and, and then... Joseph hoped that his brothers wouldn't sell him into slavery. Moses hoped that God would choose somebody else to lead the people out of Israel because I can't do it. God choose somebody else. King David hoped that nobody would find about, found out about his, his affair and the fact that he murdered his mistress's husband. He hoped that nobody would find out about that and King Solomon hoped that at least one of his 700 concubines would be happy when he got home from work that day. Just, just one. He hoped. That he hoped. And we hope for things. Hope's been going on since the beginning of time. On and on you see hope throughout the scripture. Hope happening through true stories in the Bible until 
it seems like, it appears that there is no more hope. That all hope is gone. 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah writes scripture. But during that season, it was a season of hopelessness. During that season, it looked like a season where Israel had turned their back on God once and for all, and there was no hope. It was dark. It was chaotic. There was moral and spiritual decline. There was false false gods, people worshiping false gods. Moms turning their backs on their families. Priests and prophets becoming drunken men pleasers. People were turning and running from God. They were, not, they were far from God. And I feel like that season looks a lot like this season that we're in. Just dark, chaotic, moral, spiritual decline. I feel like we're, we're seeing some of the same things today as they saw 2,700 years ago. That's the way I feel. In fact, there's one similarity between Isaiah and his generation and our generation. One similarity, and that is that we're both waiting for the Messiah. Isaiah and his people, they they were waiting for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for, for the Messiah to show up. They were saying, oh God, save us from this oppression. And today, 2,700 years later, we're waiting for the Messiah to show up. We're waiting for the Messiah to come. We're saying, Lord, return, save us from this oppression. It looks a lot the same. But Isaiah gave hope to some people. Isaiah prophesied some some pretty gloomy things, but then he turns right around and he prophesies hope. And that's what I want to do today. I want to take a look at this story in Isaiah, chapter 9. If you've got your notes, you can follow along with me. But Isaiah 9, he gives a prophecy. And what I want to do is I want to look at the prophecy, and then I also want to fast forward to the New Testament and see where it was fulfilled. All right? So what Isaiah is doing is he's he's giving people hope. They're in the middle of this dark, depressive, far from God season, and he's saying, it's not always going to be like this. There's hope. Hold on to hope. And so if you've got your notes, follow along with me. And on the screen... He, he starts off after he's just written about how gloom, doom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. That's, um, he was writing, he was partnering with Hee Haw to write some of their episodes back then. Y'all don't even know Hee Haw, right? YouTube it, YouTube it. He was, he was writing some hee-haw type stuff. But then he says, nevertheless. That's a good word, by the way. Hey, nevertheless. Even though that stuff, yeah, it's going to happen. Even though you're going through some things this year. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair. And I want to stop right here and say, I know that some people in this room today have been through a season of darkness and despair. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your income looks different because of COVID. Maybe you've lost a family member and this is your first Christmas to be without them. And it's, it's a season where you feel, you feel the despair. You feel a little bit of the darkness trying to creep in. But Isaiah says it won't go on forever. Hey, that's a word for somebody today. It won't go on forever. 
It's not always going to be like that. Those waves may come crashing in, but they will recede. Amen? It won't go on forever. Why? Because there will be a time in Galilee. There's going to be a time when Galilee will be filled with the glory. Now, I left some stuff out here just because it doesn't necessarily, like, like it matters, but the land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future. I don't know when that is for you. There's going to be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies between the road but that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with the glory of God. What's he doing? Well, you've got to know that he's prophesying about the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. And there's going to be a time when Galilee is going to be filled with the glory. Filled with glory. And what I'm trying to do today is I, I want to help you see, I want to help you see that hope has a destination. Hope has a time and a place. Not that you go somewhere to hope, like you have a hope closet, right? Yeah, I got a hope chest. I reckon I can have a hope closet too. No, it's not like that. What I'm saying is hope, you're hoping in a very specific time, in a very specific place, there's something specific that you want to happen. Hope has a destination. It's going somewhere. Hope has a destination. And you have hope. You're hoping for something. The people of Israel were hoping to be rescued. They were hoping for God to show up through the Messiah. They were hoping that that the Messiah would come. And in Luke chapter 1... 700 years later, in Luke chapter 1, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Who's Elizabeth? That's John the baptizer's mom. It's, it's, it's Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. Mary is Jesus' mom, right? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Where's Nazareth? It's in Galilee. <laughs> to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And this is the beginning. Where did Isaiah prophesy that the glory would come? Galilee. He gave the people of Israel some hope. And they're holding on to that hope that the Messiah is going to come. And in Matthew, Matthew says it this way. Matthew records it this way. That Jesus, now 30 years later, he's beginning his ministry. He first went to Nazareth, which we know is in Galilee. And then he left there and he moved to Capernaum which is by the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, exactly what Isaiah prophesied, exactly what the, the people of Israel had been holding on to, they'd been hoping in for 700 years, and this fulfilled what Isaiah said. It was the fulfillment of that prophecy. See, hope has a destination. You may be hoping for something, and you haven't seen it happen yet. Come on. Israel was hoping for years and years, hundreds of years, for the Messiah, and finally... He shows up, but the problem is nobody recognized him. N- nobody knew who he was. Let me ask you today, what are you hoping for? What's the destination of your hope? Can you spell it out, right? What are you hoping for? What are you asking God for in this Christmas season? More than just a tangible gift, what are you asking God for? What are you hoping for? Is it a child? Is it a marriage? Is it, is it, is it, is it a husband or a spouse? What are you hoping for? So the The prophecy goes on in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, still in the same chapter, all right? Isaiah keeps writing, and he says, the people, all right? There's a time coming in Galilee, it's going to be filled with the glory of God, and the people who walk in darkness, 
The people right now who feel like giving up, some of you in this room today who feel like throwing in the towel, you feel like all hope is gone, those people who walk in darkness will see. He's talking about future tense. It's gonna happen, y'all. He's giving the people something to hold on to, and he says, you will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep dark darkness, a light will shine. It's gonna happen one day. And then he says of God in verse three, he says, you will enlarge the nation of Israel. God, you will cause its people to rejoice, and they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, like warriors dividing the plunder. In verse four, he says, uh, he says, for you will break the yoke of their slavery. Somebody in this room, you're just asking God, you're hoping that the addiction can come to an end, that the things that you've been hiding and that nobody knows about, it will come to an end because the yoke of slavery, the, the burden will be lifted from their shoulders. God, you will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. And I just wonder if somebody could give God some praise today for what he's doing. For a minute, I thought I was at the wrong church. Man, I'm getting pumped up preaching today, preaching better than y'all are amen. And I hope you're amen at home, okay? I'm thinking to amen myself. He's gonna break the yoke of their slavery. Talking about God. And what did they do? They, what did they, do? they held on to that hope that one day our oppression's gonna come to an end, that one day he's gonna break the yoke of slavery. And so it leads us to know that hope has a determination. This is what's gonna happen in Jesus' name. It's determined by God's hand. This is the way it's gonna be. And they held on to that, that hope. This is the way it's gonna happen. They held on to it. Today, I'm asking you, what are you hoping for? What are you holding on to? What have you determined in your heart you want to see happen? What is it that you're praying about in this Christmas season? What is it? What are you hoping for? Hope has a determination. Now, years ago, Annalise and I went on a, we went on a mission trip. And, and uh, we were leading worship at a youth conference in, in Germany. We went to beautiful black forest, Freudenstadt, Germany. It was beautiful, snow on the ground. We spent the new year there. But before we left, we made sure we had a last will. I mean, because what happens if both of us, what, what, if the, what if the plane goes down? You know what I'm saying? What happens if we don't come back? So we drew up a, a will so that we could, we could explain exactly what we wanted to happen if something happened to us, right? What happens to the life insurance? What happens to the, to the cars, the house, the accounts? Who gets what, right? And th at that time... We only had like two kids, but what happens to all of it? And so we wrote that will, and, and, and a will is a legal document that defines what happens in a, in a situation like that. I want to tell you that hope is very much the same. Hope is your way of saying, this is what I want to see. Can I, can I just also say that in a very real way, faith and hope are the same? Because faith is what you hope for faith is this substance of things that you hope for but it's the evidence of what you haven't seen yet and for 700 years the people of Israel Israel they, they hadn't seen anything but they were hoping they had faith to believe that Messiah was coming he was going to be born of a virgin and and he was going to show up and do something great and mighty they had faith to believe that so your your hope is faith I want you to know that today so hope has this determination about it, right? Let's be determined with our faith. What are you hoping for today? What, what have you determined in your heart you want to see that happen? 
All right, and, and in the same passage, Isaiah chapter 9, this is verse 6 and 7 now. Verse 6 and 7. Isaiah is bolstering their hope. He's prophesying to the people of Israel, the Messiah is coming one day, and he says, a child is going to be born to us, a son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. You can even call him Wonderful Counselor. He'll be called Mighty. There's nobody like him. He's greater. He's stronger. There's nothing that our God can do. There's not a mountain that he can move. He's mighty. He's God. You can call him mighty God, though. <laughs> He's everlasting from the beginning to end. His rule, his reign has no end. He goes from the beginning all the way to the, to the end. He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Everlasting. But he's also a father to the fatherless. He's a father to people who felt like their father deserted them or was taken too soon. A father that... He'll never let you down. He'll always be there. He's an everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the prince of nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what peace is, shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom is here. Peace is here. The prince of peace. I'll say it this way. The first thing we said was that hope has a, de a destination. It's going somewhere. You, you see what you're hoping for. You, you, you can feel it. You, you know what it is. Hope has a determination. But number three, hope has a designation. Hope has a designation. What do you mean, Ben? What I mean is uh, there's something about every one of you that lets me know who you are. There's something about every person in this room, every person on the planet that tells us who you are. I know who somebody's talking about when they say your name. It's your name. And hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. In the New Testament, Matthew fulfilled the prophecy. He, he wrote about the fulfillment when he said, and his name will be the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world. Hope has a name. Um, the truth is we all hope for something. But for most of us, um, that hope is attached to somebody else. It's attached to a name. What, do I, what, what I mean is, you're hoping that your, your wife will respect you. You hope that your husband will love you. You hope the other team chokes today, right? You hope it's based on what somebody else can do for you. Your hope is often dependent on the control of somebody around you. And so, one more time I want to ask you the question, not, not what are you hoping for, but let me ask it this way. Who are you hoping in? 
who holds the keys for your hope today? Is it a spouse? If so, it's out of order. Is it a job? Is it a, is it a boss? If so, it's out of order. Is it a pastor? Is it me? If so, good luck. It's out of order. If it's anybody else other than Jesus, it's out of order. Because only he is the hope of the world. Only he can fulfill your deepest needs. And we, we mess up when we look to other people to fulfill our deepest needs. Only Jesus can do that. Only the Messiah can do that. And God so loved the world that 700 years before Matthew wrote this, he gave a prophecy to say, one day there's going to be glory in Galilee and the chains of oppression are going to be broken. People will be set free and it'll all be because of the hope of the world. God so loved the world that he sent his only son to give his life for us. So today, who are you hoping in? Who's holding the keys for your hope today? This week, I couldn't get the, the lyric out of my head, a thrill of hope. We sang about it earlier. Today's message is titled, The Thrill of Hope. I couldn't get that out of my mind. It says, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Come on, this year's been a little bit weary for some people. But I love how the author ends it. He says, for yonder breaks. That's how we said it in East Tennessee. Yonder. Hey, where do you go to church? Down yonder. Where'd you get that jacket? Over yonder. Where's he live? Over yonder. You just point and say yonder, right? That's how you do it. Yonder breaks. I don't know where yonder is. Tomorrow, the next day, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. It's coming, y'all. Whatever you've been hoping for, I, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, we're not naming it and claiming it. I'm saying, just, Jesus said, if you ask anything in his name, come on. Ask it today. What are you hoping for? Who are you hoping in? A thrill of hope. And that's what some of you need today, is a thrill of hope. Would you bow your heads with me and, and close your eyes? And let me just close out today by asking you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he whispering in your heart today? What's he speaking to your heart? Some of you need that hope. You need that thrill of hope. You're holding on by a thread. You feel like giving up. You feel like the world's against you. You feel like the odds are stacked against you. you you're confused, you're broken, you're lost, you're lonely. You feel hopeless, you feel helpless. But I'm telling you today, there's hope. In the same way that, that, that Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus, if God cares so much to send a prophecy 700 years before the birth of Jesus to those people to let them know that they could still have hope, he cares about you today. There's hope for you today. Don't give up, don't throw in the towel, keep holding on, keep trusting, keep believing, keep hoping and if you're here today and you say Ben that's for me I'm on the verge of giving up hope but today I'm, I'm ready to keep holding on to keep hoping if that's you would you just slip up your hand I want, I want to pray for you 
gonna, I'm just going to pray a blessing over you. Anybody today? Thank you. See you in the back. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? That's me, Ben. I'm holding on hope. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Anybody else? Come on, right where you are. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for every hand that's up today that would say, I'm, I, need, I need this thrill of hope. I, 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 need, I need to remember that if God cared so much about that generation 2,700 years ago, when he gave a prophetic word that people held on to for 700 years about the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus, the one who is wonderful counselor, the one who carries the hope of the world in his name, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. If he cared so much about them, then I know he cares about me now. God, would you show up in a powerful way for every person whose hand was lifted. God, move in their hearts. Draw them close to you. Reveal your goodness. Reveal your mercy. Reveal your love. And in the same way, you showed up 2,700 years ago. 2,000 years ago through your son Jesus show up for them today move mountains break down the prison walls free people from addiction heal marriages reconcile families that are broken apart thank you Jesus I have victory. Hope has a name. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. My Savior's cross has set the sinner free. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Oh, Christ be praised. I have victory. Heads bowed. Some of you today need the thrill of hope. And what I'm talking about is you need salvation. You, you need to give your life to Jesus once and for all. You've been carrying the weight of your guilt, carrying the weight of your sin, your shame. You're desperate for a move of God today. You're desperate to be freed. You're desperate for the thrill of hope. And I'm telling you, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have hope. He's the only hope of the world. And if you'd say, Pastor Ben, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus today. I want to surrender completely. I want him to be the Lord of my life, to lead me, to guide me, to direct my steps. I'm ready to surrender to him completely. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand right now all over this building? And I want to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, just slip up your hand with boldness, with courage. And let me know. I'm going to pray for you today. Anybody? right come on let's say this prayer today say it with me Jesus you are my hope I give my life to you I'm yours heart soul spirit you're my only hope I give my life to you will you forgive me cleanse me give me a fresh start a new beginning And from this day forward, I will follow you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for that today. Lord, we thank you for your love and your compassion for us.